Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? All right, all six of us. I don't know what the rest of y'all are doing. I said, how's everyone doing? You guys doing good today? Good, good. Hey, listen, man, we are excited to be here today, and, and we are aware, man, so this sickness is sweeping through our city like crazy right now, and so we are glad that you guys are here. Um, I'm about to call this whole month like fist bump Sundays or something, like no shaking hands, don't be breathing on each other, you know, like, it is crazy out there, but we are excited to be in our Legacy series. We jumped into Legacy 17 this year, and, and we just want to uh, bring to you, kind of closing out 2017, bringing to you what we hope to end the year with and what we're getting ready to start next year with. And as we tie all that together, talk to you guys about leaving a legacy and leaving a legacy that matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to leave a legacy. Now look back at him and say, I'm going to hold you to it. You know what I mean? Like... We're going, to talk, we're going to talk this month about leaving a legacy, uh, and today we're going to talk about the big picture, all right? So let's get right into it. Go ahead and get your, your notes out. Like we said earlier, I know some of us are sick. I know my, it hit myself, my wife, um, late Friday night, early Saturday morning, and then it hit my son yesterday at about 4 o'clock, I guess. And so we've just been, it's been something else at our house. So people have seen me in the hallway trying to shake my hand. I'm like, eh. Like, you don't want this, I promise. So um, it's not that I don't love you. It's just that you don't want what I have. So, um, but as we're, as we're getting into this series, uh, let's, I want to focus on, oh, first of all, let's open up with what we're considering legacy to be, right? This is my definition of legacy. This isn't Webster, all right? This is the BLV, uh, the Brad Livingston version. So check out legacy. What is the definition of legacy for us? And it is what people remember once you're gone. How many guys want to be known for something great? Right? All right. What about, all right, so what about the other, you know, 90% of you guys? How many of you guys want to be known for something great, something bigger than just you, right? Um, I, I think about Pastor and myself, we, uh, we got to do a funeral for a friend of ours that we've known for a long time, and we did his funeral a couple weeks ago, and it was amazing to me because when we showed up to the funeral, not only was the, fun the room that they were having it in, there was a pretty big room, not only was that room packed out, but the lobby behind the room was packed out. I mean, this place was slammed full of people that had nothing but amazing things to say about this guy, and one of the things that touched my heart is how many people, like, him being gone left a void in people's lives because he left such a legacy. Uh, one of the big words that people use often in association with him, his name was Barry Rogers. One of the words people use often with him was that he was such an encourager. That every time you sat down at the table with him, when you got up, you felt like you could take on the world. You know what I mean? And, and then I, I feel like we as Christians, there should, if we're not at work tomorrow, there should be something different about the office because we're not there. Like if, if, we, if we move out of our neighborhoods, the fact that we, our family is not there anymore should leave a void. Like we should be creating that much of an impact everywhere we go that when we don't show up, people want to know what's missing. And that should be Christ inside of us. Come on, somebody. So turn to your neighbor and say, we need to leave a legacy. So Psalms 1, 12, 5, and 6, this is kind of the, the theme verse for the month. Uh, and as we're working our way through the Legacy series, a lot of this is stemming off of the Blessed series that we just came out of. So it says, Goodwill to com will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct his affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. 
How many of us want to be remembered forever? Come on, somebody. Like we, we want to be remembered. We want someone to know our name. We, whenever we're gone, again, we want someone to remember us. So the righteous will never be shaken. How many of us are ready to not be shaken anymore, right? How, how many of us are ready to be a little more like Jesus where we can rest in our storms and sleep through our storms instead of being worried about how they're going to destroy us? We're not going to be shaken and they will be remembered forever. We want to be remembered for something great, something bigger than ourselves and touching the lives of others so that we can see Christ impacting everyone else's life around us and not just living life for ourselves. The problem with the Western church, and when I say the Western church, I mean the churches in America, the churches overseas have a good grasp on what the gospel does to your life. If you go overseas and you talk to them about Christianity, and you talk to them about the, what the gospel is, every one of them will talk to you about how the gospel is an opportunity to lay my life down so that it can be part of something greater. If you ask people in America, what is the gospel? They'll tell you it's an opportunity for me to pick my life up so that my life can be greater. Come on, some like y'all. Like the gospel doesn't always introduce your best life today. So, what it means is that we have to become part of something greater than ourselves. And we have to look for an opportunity to leave a legacy. All right. So we want to let you know that coming up on December 31st, we are going to be taking up uh, a legacy offering. And, and there's only two offerings each year that, that we take up that's in addition to what we usually do. We're not one of those money-hungry churches where we take up extra offerings all the time for every possible thing you can think of. We don't do that, but there are two offerings, which is our first fruits offerings that'll happen next year. And then the legacy offering that's gonna happen at the end of each year. And the legacy offering is our opportunity to give and be part of something bigger than ourselves. Tell your neighbors, part of something bigger. Say, I wanna be part of something bigger. All right, that was only five of you. Tell your neighbors, say, I wanna be part of something bigger. I know some of y'all still caught up in worship from earlier, right? Y'all just... You're still there. No, I want to be part of something bigger. And so what we're talking about with our offering on December 31st is we're going to give. And the way that we're giving, 100% of that offering and the legacy offering is going to go to these five areas, which we call our legacy lanes. All right. The five legacy lanes. <clears throat> His first is the Transformation Church. This is what we're doing as a church. This is going towards our outreach. This is going towards reaching people. This is going towards helping people. This is going towards everything that we can accomplish as a church to take the gospel into our communities and help impact our world under the root, number one, under a roof of our church, but going out and helping people. You with me? How many guys want to help more people next year than we've ever helped before, right? So we want to do that as our church. The second lane is the TC Haven, which is our ministry exclusive exclusively for kids with special needs and families with special needs, right? And so our TC Haven, but this isn't something we're trying to hoard up for us. This is something we're trying to give out. So we want to be connecting with different schools. One of the schools we know we're connecting with is Westgate. Um, so we're going to be connecting with Westgate schools to give them a donation out of this offering. We're going to be connecting with the Miracle League, which is a, a baseball league for kids with special needs. We're going to be giving them a donation. And it doesn't just stop there. Those are just the two that we know we're connecting with. Um, and then third is our local missions. So we want to talk about reaching our city for Pens reaching Pensacola for Jesus. We're reaching our city, but also going in creative ways and how we're going to do that. And so we're working with Reimagine, which is once every one out of every two or three months. 
Uh, there's a huge organization with a number of churches that we're connected with. We go out with them. We reach the community by giving away food, giving away diapers. We give away uh, pillows and blankets. We give away, uh, they also do medical testing. Uh, and we introduce people to Jesus. That's a huge organization that does that, that we get to be a part of. And so we're going to be doing that in our local missions. We're also doing six events next year called I Love My City. Uh, and so under the Isle of My City events, we're going to be going into low-income areas and teaching kids how to read. We're going to be working with them, helping them uh, understand next steps for them. So even at young ages, teaching them about what could be, what there could be for them. So not just, uh, try, not just trying to go in and proclaim the gospel without adding value to their lives. Right? So we want to do all of those things, local missions. Then there's national missions that we're giving to you through our legacy, uh, our legacy offering. And national missions, we're part of ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. And in that, since ARC has started, we've seen over 700 churches planted in America alone. That's what we're celebrating right there. Like 700 churches, life-giving churches in America. Did you know that in America, more churches are closing each month than there are starting? Did you know that Christianity is the fastest growing religion in every other country in the world except for America. So we could probably take in God we trust off our money and not offend too many people. Like, in other words, America has a long way to go. We need more life-giving, gospel-preaching churches in America. Amen. Like, come on, somebody. So, uh, we wanna, so we're a part of that. So what we give in that legacy offering, and by the way, what you give every week goes to this. I want to be clear. We, we donate to this every week, but we're going to give a substantial gift on December 31st when we do that. And then lastly is our international missions, which we have people that we support. Um, we have people that we support in Peru uh, each and every year. We have people that we support in Laos each and every year. Year, Vietnam and Israel, uh, each and every well, each and every month, really, we give to these missionaries that are out and about and abroad. Why? Because we want the gospel to go into the world, right? And so, these are the five legacy lanes that we're going to be giving to on your offering, December thirty first. And I know myself and my wife, we have already sat down, we prayed about what we believe the Lord is going to have us bring. So we're we're bringing a substantial amount. Why? Because we want to leave a legacy. Right? Come on, somebody. I want to leave, we're going to leave a legacy by giving to these areas, knowing that the gospel is going to create an impact in people's lives. And so that is the opportunity that's in front of you, and we are so excited to get to be a part of it. We want you to, to pray. Listen, we're not one of those churches where we tell you what to give. We want you to pray about what you should give, all right? We don't try to manipulate you. It's not about getting money out of you. We want you to pray and let God speak to you about what you can be a part of with this. This isn't us demanding anything from you. Does that make sense? All right, so let's get into it today. Today we're talking about the big picture. Turn to your neighbor and say the big picture. Now turn to the person you just neglected on the other side of you and tell them the big picture. Right, I see some of y'all. That person on your left just gets left alone all the time. They don't get no love, right? The big picture. And we're going to spend a good chunk of our time in uh, Mark 5 today, in Mark 5. And today we're talking about the four points of legacy uh, and so let's get straight into it today. The first point that we want you to understand talking about legacy is that there is a necessity of legacy, a necessity of legacy, that there, there is a requirement. There is a need for a legacy to be left. Like there is, there is something that must happen. There is a need that we must feel by leaving a legacy for other people around us. But more importantly, there's a need in our life that we have to be known for something greater than ourselves. Find the most miserable people in life and I will show you the people that are only living for themselves. 
Find the people that love life every day, and it's the people that are looking for an opportunity to create an impact in someone else's life. I was reading a book a little while back, and he was talking about, he was talking about, it was a book about men in particular, uh, men becoming greater men. And in the book, they were talking about there's a desire and a need inside of every man to be known for one great battle in his life. And so they were talking about, they were working their way through history and talking about all these great generals and all those things about how they, they were, you, you might have heard of them connected to a number of battles, but in their life, there was one great one that they were known for. And in, in our lives, I think that goes beyond just men. I think men and women alike, there's something that the Lord wants to do in our life that we become known for one great battle, but it's not so that we can be known, it's so that Jesus can be known through us. Come on, somebody, like that Christ can be identified in the midst of our battle, that our strength wasn't our own, that our peace wasn't our own, that our ability to make it through wasn't our own, that our ability to be victorious wasn't our own, but it was centered on Jesus. And so there's a need to have a legacy. There's a need to leave a legacy. So let's jump over to Mark 5, 25 this morning. And we're gonna be talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Some of you are familiar with this story. He says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. And this is the part I want you to see. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. See, what we have to understand when we're talking about our need for a legacy, what we have to understand when we're talking about what we're going through is that many times in life, we will try to do everything we can and we'll try to accomplish everything we can outside of requiring Jesus in our life to be the difference maker. What we'll do is we'll step into situations and say, oh man, let me just do everything I can. It was so funny, I heard someone say a little while back, they're like, man, we've done all we can do. I guess all we can do now is pray. I was like, I have a question. I have a question. Like, why do we wait till we've done all we can do before we pray? Like, I don't know about you. I'm trying to get God in on the first play, not fourth and long. You know what I'm saying? Like, sorry to use a football reference. I know some of y'all got crushed yesterday. So, <laughs> sorry. I, sorry, we almost started a war right there. Stay calm. But right, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get Jesus in in the beginning, not wait till the end. I'm not trying to do everything I can do and just say, you know, God, I done screwed this up as bad as I can. Can you swoop in and help me? I need Jesus the whole process. Like I need him to walk me through every step of the way. And we see here that she comes in, but she's been navigating her life and she's been trying to go through it. And, and so she spent everything she has, right? She's done everything she can do. How many guys, whether maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a problem that you have, you're sitting there, you're doing everything you can do, but at the end of the day, it's still not enough. Come on, somebody. Like we need something bigger than and better than what we can do on our own. There's a need in our life and we have to connect it to the necessity of a legacy because you're gonna be known for one great battle. What's the battle gonna be? And who is gonna help you become victorious in it? Next is the hesitancy of legacy. The hesitancy of legacy. Because here's what happens. When we realize what it's going to cost us, we hesitate on whether it's worth it. I know you're writing, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that to you again. I said, when we realize what it's gonna cost us, we hesitate to pay it. Like there's a hesitancy, oh man, like that legacy, like 
We talk about taking the, we talk, you know, we're talking about this December 31st offering, the legacy offering that we're talking about right now. Some of y'all already like, man, I can't go out to eat five times this week. Like, well, I'm gonna have to skip Starbucks three times every morning. Like, I'm gonna have to, like, it's gonna cost, when you decide you're gonna be part of a legacy, it's gonna cost you something. Taking the gospel to the world that needs it is gonna cost us something. And so the, the hesitancy of legacy is what it's going to cost us. I want us to, to jump over to Leviticus 15, 25 real quick. I want to show you something. And I know some of y'all are going to be like, come on, man. We ain't got to do all this December. But I want to show you something. It says, now if a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge, she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity she is unclean. Okay. What I, the reason I want to show you this, I want you to understand something about the Old Testament law. That if, an, if a woman was in that period of time, she was considered unclean. The problem was, is that the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5 had been in this for 12 years. So we're not just talking about, could you, and, and some of you, the women in here are like, come on. Like, you know, all the men are like, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, you'll get, you'll get punched doing that. Don't do that. Okay, so. <laughs> but uh, when, when we were talking about this right here, she was, she was in this moment. She was in this for 12 years. So not only are we talking about the physical ramifications of a body that has been constantly bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine the exhaustion? Can you imagine, right, the pain? Can you imagine, uh, husbands, can you imagine the irritability? You all know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> I know y'all ain't even laughing now. Y'all like, mm, mm, mm. nope, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> right, can can you, but, but in addition to that, add in the psychological situations that she's going through, right? Because, because she's considered unclean in Old Testament law, she can't talk, to, she can't engage with, she can't touch, she can't be touched, she can't, like, she, she's considered unclean. Therefore, her psychological part of her mind, she can't be a part of groups. She can't go out and post. She can't do any of those things. So we're talking about someone that is not only physically drained, she's psychologically drained. She's emotionally exhausted. You're talking about a woman who now, she can't even look for a husband. She can't date. She can't meet people. Why? Because she's, so we're talking about, there are much larger ramifications than just the fact of what she's going through physically. She's emotionally, socially, and, and psychologically exhausted in what she's going through. Y'all with me right now? So she's going through all of, all of this, right? So what, what she's going to have to do is then we see coming up, she's going to say, oh man, Jesus is coming. How many guys are like, thank God for the moment he stepped on your scene? Come on, somebody. Like Jesus came into your life. Thank God he stepped on your scene. So she, she hears that Jesus is coming and she knows that he healed all these other people already. And she goes, man, if I could go out and meet Jesus, I bet I could get healed. Here's the problem. The cost of her legacy was going to require her to walk into a social atmosphere that she wasn't used to and be recognized and declared and yelled at and pushed away because she wasn't worthy and she wasn't clean. In other words, for her to get what she needed, she was going to have to do something that was going to cost her something. And so she's unclean. So the hesitancy of legacy, which brings the third point, which is the opportunity of legacy, because when there's a cost, that means there's an opportunity. And so there's the opportunity of legacy. And the opportunity of legacy is the change. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the change. 
That there's a change that happens, right? Mark 5, 27 and 28 says this. It says that when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. So when she had heard of Jesus, she came in and pressed behind and touched his garment. Everyone say touched his garment. He touched, she touched his garment for she said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And that her faith led her to a place that she could reach out and touch him, right? That she could reach out and grab a hold. And so there's the, there's the cost of her legacy, which meant she was going to have to go out and she was going to have to be yelled at. She was going to have to be ridiculed. She was going to have to go through the process. You're not supposed to be out here. You're unclean. Everyone yelling unclean. And you can imagine in your mind, the kids are pointing and they're yelling unclean and, and what that would do to her psychologically. But she knows that if she's going to reach her destination, if she's going to see her miracle, if she's going to do all that, she's got to get to Jesus regardless of what it costs her. So then she has an opportunity to get to Jesus regardless of the cost, but then that creates the opportunity for her to see change. And many of us will never get our miracle because we're not willing to pay the price. We, we, I don't care. Our marriages will never get better because we're never going to tell someone how much we need help. Our addictions are never going to change because we think we're good enough with it. We'll just work this out on our own for the rest of our life. But the the miracle you're looking for is going to cost you something. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's got to cost you something. Like the miracle you're looking for is going to cost you something. So then we see the opportunity of legacy because there's an opportunity when change and when Jesus steps on the scene, change is inevitable, but it's also an opportunity for you to lock into the thing that you need most. Notice I didn't say want most, I said need most. And so Jesus steps on the scene and he brings that opportunity. So she says, if I touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Which brings us to the fourth point, which is the glory of legacy. The glory of legacy. And that's the connection between what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do for you connected to what you need in your life. There's something that God wants to do in you and it's gonna connect to what you're needing in your life. You're saying, man, God, I really need, God, you know, God my marriage doesn't reflect Christ or this thing in my life, I need this. I need, God says, I'm gonna meet that need, but I'm gonna meet that need not because you need that need met, but because you need me. In other words, you, need, you don't just need Jesus to come in and make your marriage better, you just need more of Jesus. Like you, you, need, you don't need Jesus to come in and fix your problem. You just need Jesus because he's bigger than your problem. You need Jesus to step in and be everything that Jesus is. I don't need Jesus to fix key areas of my life. I need Jesus to become my whole life. Come on, somebody. Like, I need Jesus to step in and create some change, not because I need individual things changed, but because I need to change. Jesus comes in. When Jesus steps in, he renovates. He doesn't just fix. The whole place is different. It's not just a small change. So there's a glory of the legacy. I want to show you this, Matthew 9. So what happens in the Gospels uh, is we see that all throughout the Gospels, we see the same stories told from different perspectives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, so we see all the, the same stories told. So this is the, the same situation, but this is told from Matthew's point of view, okay? And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touch the hem of his garment. Now this is so important because I want you to see this. Say this word with me, hem. And touch the hem of his garment. It was so interesting. I went to Israel uh, 
We went to Israel two years ago, almost two years ago. And when we were in Israel, they were telling us this story. And, uh, you know, in Israel, number one, every story is more interesting when you're there. First of all, like, well, I don't know if it's because the dude's like five foot two and he's speaking with an Israeli accent and it just seems more dramatic. I don't know. But anyways, he, he's telling us a story. And, and so um, he started telling us, he started describing to us what actually happened with the woman of Israel. And it, it kind of blew my mind. And so what happened is, is uh, she came down, just like we saw him. She, she said, oh, man, Jesus is here. I can go get my healing. So she makes her way down to Jesus. As she makes her way down to Jesus, right, she goes through the process, just like we talked about, everything that we just talked about. The only difference is she didn't grab the bottom of his robe like we think, Whenever we read that, we think, oh, she grabbed the bottom of his robe and she was healed. So if you look at Jewish heritage, they use prayer shawls when they pray. But they would keep them all the time because they were always prepared to pray. So they would wear their prayer shawl over their shoulders and it would drop down. And if you've ever seen a prayer shawl, it's got little strings that hang off. But on the corners, there are long strings with holes drilled in them. Not drilled, cut, but you know what I'm saying. So there's holes with long strings. Some of the other translations, talking about Matthew 9 and Mark 5, it uses the word tassels. Turn to your neighbor and say tassels. Now say him, tassels. So what, what happened is, is if you, and if you, maybe you've seen pictures of this, they'll take the prayer shawl, they'll pull it up over their head, and they'll grab the corners, and they'll pull them close to their heart. And have you ever seen people pictures like the, the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, right? They're all rocking and doing that whole thing, which that sketched me out to start with. You know what I mean? Like 100 dudes rocking out a wall. I was like, I feel unsafe right now. I don't know. Like, so they're, they're rocking. But so he started, the, the, the guide in Israel started telling us what was happening. He said, see, in, in tradition, what they would do is they would bless the prayer shawl before they would give it to whoever was going to have it. And so they would pray over it, and then they would cut holes in the corners and put long tassels in the corners. So that when they pulled the, the shawl over their head, they would grab a hold of the tassels in the corners, they would pull it close to their heart. And when they, when they grabbed the tassel, they pulled it close to their heart, that um, the tassels and the corner of their prayer shawl represent their divine connection to God. Some of y'all are already getting where I'm going with this. When the woman with the issue of blood walked down those steps and pushed through that crowd, she didn't touch his robe. She touched the hem. She touched the tassel. She touched Jesus' connection to God in heaven. And she got her miracle. And some of us think that we can just come to church and that because we become religious enough, God is obligated to fulfill whatever it is that we need in our life. We think that every miracle is gonna get met just because we're doing, a, we're hitting our checklist, right? Oh, came to church today, opened my Bible for the third time this week. I prayed a few times, didn't cuss anybody out. I must be doing well this week. We think that the religious obligation is God's, our religious obligation means God is obligated back to us something. God is not obligated to us anything. The problem is, is we think that we can touch religiosity and when God is supposed to come through, like he came through with the issue of blood, the woman with the issue of blood got her miracle, not because she did something religious, but because she did something that touched the heart of God. When she touched the tassel, she touched God in heaven. And some of us in our life are looking for an opportunity. We're looking for a way. We're looking for Jesus to come through. 
And we're looking for him to solve our problems, not so that we can become more committed to the cause, but so that we can live the life we wanna live without pain and suffering. But Jesus said, I came not so that you could have a rearranged life. He said, I came so that I could make all things new. Like our focus should change when Jesus steps into our life. What we tend to, what, what our plan should rearrange around what Christ wants for us. Our legacy that we're gonna leave to the people that are here after us should shift whenever Jesus steps on the scene in our life. Not so that, again, not so that he can fix our problems, so that he can become bigger and better. He's not the solution to our problems. He's the solution to life itself. That when Jesus steps on the scene, all things are new. But I can tell you this, the woman with the issue of blood, we don't know her heritage after that. But I can promise you every time she sat down at the table with maybe a daughter or a niece or a family member or a close friend, I can promise you there was one thing that come out of her mouth. Let me tell you about what this Jesus did in my life. And you wanna know what's missing from the Western church culture? is this remembrance of what Jesus has done in our life. We need the big picture back, folks, that Jesus is our everything. He's not just the answer to some of our things. Jesus is not just the fixer to our problems. He is the solution to our life. That when Jesus steps on the scene, he doesn't make all things well, he makes all things whole. That means he may shut some doors and he may open some, but he makes the way that we get to take. He lights the path that we get to walk, that he encompasses everything that we are, that Jesus on the scene, makes us whole and what an opportunity to leave a legacy and live a legacy that would allow us to point people to a Jesus that could transform their hearts and their lives. I'm not talking to people about Jesus so that they can see their sicknesses healed. I'm talking to people about Jesus so that they can see their eternity transformed from hell into heaven. Jesus wants to take hold of our lives. Mark 14.9 talks about a, a woman that she went out of her way to leave a legacy. Mark 14.9, this is talking about Mary. She comes in and we talked about this in the Blessed series last month. She comes in and she takes a perfume that's worth an entire year's salary. She pours it on Jesus' feet. She washes her feet or he washes his feet and then dries it with her hair. And this is referencing Mary here. It says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Can I ask you something, folks? What is it in your life that where you go, people are gonna say, man, what he's done? Let me tell you, let me tell you about the memory of him. I hope that the day that I'm gone, people go, man, you remember that Brad guy? Let me tell you about the things that he did. Again, not so that we can be known, but that Jesus could be known in us. Let me tell you about how Brad laid his life down for the gospel. Let me tell you about how Brad shamelessly talked about how Jesus is greater than anything. We got two ladies in our, our shoes. They're here today. They're in our nine o'clock service. Both of them diagnosed with cancer. Both of us healed last week of cancer in their body. It's gone and they can't find any sign of it, right? Amazing, amazing, right? 
But here's, here's what I was so encouraged by. They came up and they talked to me and they said, Pastor Brad, we just got a report. They've been keeping me in the loop throughout the whole process. They came up to me. They said, Pastor Brad, we just want to tell you that, uh, that uh, I went and I got my scans done and the cancer is gone. They can't find any sign of it. And then the other lady walked up their friends. She said, Pastor Brad, guess what? I got my scan last week too and the cancer is gone. They can't find any sign of it. But you know what they immediately changed that to? They didn't just say, thank God he healed my cancer and thank God he heals my problems. They said, thank God that Jesus is better than, that even if I had it, Jesus is still good. And that Jesus, in other words, they weren't just worried about how Jesus is gonna solve their problem. They just want Jesus to be everything that their life is about. That every time they walk in a room, that Jesus is who we're talking about. Every time we go into work, that Jesus is who's on our lips. He's who is on our mind. Who's he's, in, he's in our heart. That we just constantly declare the goodness of God and how great he is to us. Why? Because we're not trying to convince people that Jesus can solve problems. We're trying to convince people that Jesus is bigger than their problems. Why? Because the big picture is Jesus. You want to leave a legacy? Point people to Christ. Give so that people can, we can reach more people for Christ. Whether that's financially, whether it's your time. I understand we're not looking for everyone to give million dollar offerings. If you can, we need to have a different conversation. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, people asked me the other day and they said, you know, would you, if someone came with you right now and said, we want to give you this, this mansion, would you take it? I said, no, I'm lying. I'll take it. You can give it to me. If you know, I got one, just, no, I'm just kidding. But in all honesty, folks, our legacy is connected to our savior, but he didn't just come to save so that he could fix problems. He came so that he could be the solution. He could be the big picture. He could be everything that we need in our life. But more importantly, he can be the greatest thing in our life. Two quotes, we wanna give this to you quickly before we close today. We're talking about legacy. The first one's by Benjamin Franklin. And it says, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you're dead, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. Today, you're gonna have an option, today, tomorrow, this week, you're gonna have an opportunity to do something that's noteworthy with your life, to leave a legacy. What is it gonna be? Second quote by Shannon Alder says, carve your name on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into the minds of others and the stories they share about you. I know when we talked about Barry, one of the things that hit me is that when we talked to the different people at the funeral, even after the funeral, we went and talked to each one of them. And, and over and over again, people would say, man, Barry was such an encourager. I remember I, would, I met at lunch with him one day. And, and when I got up from the table, man, I just felt like I could do something. I felt like encouraged. I felt like I could take on the world. Other people would say, man, let me tell you what, Barry was always ready to introduce Jesus into every situation talking about how Jesus needed to be our focus and, and how he led people to the Lord right there on their lunch table, right there where they were at. Why? Because our legacy is connected to who Jesus is, right? How many guys know we want to leave a legacy that's something bigger and better than who we are? Amen. Where are you guys at? We want to leave a legacy, right? Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now for all of us in here, God, that we would hear and respond to what you're trying to tell us and what you're trying to teach us, God, that there's something bigger, there's something better, there's something greater than just seeing a fix, but God, we need more of you in our life. God, I pray that we would connect to Jesus and that we would connect to God in heaven and that through that, our life would be transformed and that we would leave a legacy 
God, for those to see that there would be an impact in our world. God, pray that you store our hearts, you store our minds, God, as to what you want us to do, Father. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, with all your heads bowed and your eyes closed across this place. Maybe you're sitting out there, you're saying, Pastor Brad, I'm, I'm all for this legacy thing and I think it's great, but in my heart right now, I don't know Jesus. He's not my savior. I, I know about God. Maybe I know enough about God to know that my heart isn't right with God. But the beauty of the gospel is this, folks, that God's loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. Our sin separated us from God and someone had to pay a price to bring us closer to God. <clears throat> God sent Jesus to this world. When he died on the cross, he paid for my sins and he paid for your sins. And today, <clears throat> the Bible says all we have to do is repent of our sins, turn away from them, not to go back to them again, but that it doesn't, we don't have to do good works, we don't have to do good things, that all we have to do to be saved is put our faith in Jesus Christ, that when he died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And if that's you today, you say, Pastor Brad, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I wanna be saved. If that's you and you're sitting in this place, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I wanna pray for you today. You say, I wanna be saved. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right now? I wanna be saved today. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Praise God. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Like I said, I'm not coming to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. God bless you. Is there more? Maybe you're watching on the live stream. I wanna be saved today, pastor. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. I want everyone in this room, let's pray it together so that they're not praying alone. And if you pray this prayer, this prayer doesn't make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus is what makes you saved. But let's make a proclamation out of our mouth of what we're believing in our heart. And let's say it today. It's the whole church. Let's pray with them. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose three days later and through your death, through your resurrection, I can have eternal life. I believe in you. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that.